0: Hey guys, if you are a father who would like to have a deeper relationship with your son, if you have a son that you're trying to pour into and develop, if you wanna help your son see the greatness that you know he has in his life, I've got a very special event coming up June 23rd through 27th. We are going to be in Cleveland National Forest. My father's coming with me, who my, the man who you hear me talk about all the time, who helped me become who I've become in life. We're going to be doing a father-son rite of passage event, Map and Compass Land Navigation. I'll be teaching you how to use Map and Compass in the exact same place that I learned in Navy SEAL training. This is going to be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You'll, you'll have these memories for the rest of your life. If you want to find out more, you can click the link in the description below. We've only got 16 spots available and we've already sold a few of those you can find out more at the impossible.life slash legacy navigators there is a part of who you are some of the things about the way you look and some of you can control some of them you can't right in all of the parts of your identity there's a part that has been assigned to you and then the rest of it is what are you going to do with it right and so your life story is not told by what your name and your face looks like, by your birthday on a driver's license in the city and county that you were born in. What you get to believe about yourself, the decisions that you get to make, are so much more a part of your identity, and those are the things that you get to control. That's impossible. Let me tell you what I believe.
1: But your weakness is not your technique. Yes! Yes! Don't think you are. You know you are. The Impossible Life Podcast. I sitting on a
0: winning lottery ticket. An idea that is fully formed, fully understood, that sticks. This is The Impossible Life Podcast because Nick and I are attempting to live impossible lives. What we know is that nothing is impossible. So instead of using impossible as an excuse to not try, we'll use the pursuit of impossible as an accelerant for greatness. If something's never been done before, that just means it's unexplored. If they tell you it's too hard, it's just waiting to be simplified. Impossible is a default label used by uncourageous people unwilling to take a risk. The real truth is this, the solution to any impossible task starts with this question. If I had to, what would it take?
1: Welcome to another episode of The Impossible Life. I'm your co-host, Nick Surface, and I'm sat across from a man who was recently staring down a poisonous snake on a camping trip. When the snake bit him in the leg, it led to 15 hours of agony, and after excruciating pain and writhing around, the snake eventually died. That's right, friends, the former Navy SEAL, Garrett Unkelbach, a man whose awesomeness has no anti-venom. It's like a reverse honey badger. The snake bit me and it died. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. I thought you said that you practiced that before. I did. Uh, I don't know why you're asking me that. I always practice them. That's I thought literally. it was okay. Okay, well, thanks. I wasn't looking for your approval, but you know, <laughs> I appreciate you telling me anyways. If Nick, I was, Nick
0: said before, he's like, I've been practicing this one. Really
1: no, good. but dude, I practice them. Literally, so my drive over to your house, there's like, it's like roughly 12 minutes. There's so many
0: better things you could do <laughs> on a drive.
1: Okay. Well, that's uh, open for interpretation, but I think that it's a good use of my time, (laughs) and I would argue that some of the listeners would agree with me. Some. That's awesome. Yeah, anyways, I'd love that you got more amusement. It's a true story Nick
0: made up for this joke.
1: Yeah, well, uh, yeah, exactly. It's called my life, but anyways. (laughs) Your life's a joke? No, I'm saying the the true story (laughs) I made up is my life. Okay. He's froggy today. Very, very froggy. Anyways, but that's good. It's nice to have Froggy Garrett back. So today we are going to talk about identity and I say they're all big ones. This is, once again, a big one. I love this one. Um, I think there's so many things in life that are tied to identity, and we're going to get into it. But let me tell you a little story about identity, uh, about a guy named English Jim. And I'm not telling the story because I'm married to an English chick, but just because English Jim was a guy who, back in the 1800s, was like your typical outlaw thrown out of england because he was such a bad criminal so what did he do he came over to the to america and nice. just went on like a criminal rampage i mean everything you can think about uh you know murders rob robbery like everything that you would think would happen in an old western english jim did this and he had a scar above his left eye as well as there was a piece of one of his fingertips missing and those were like his identifying factors and there's no dna or anything like that you know it's the posters on the wall well they finally caught him in february of 1851 and of course he swore that it wasn't him and they were going to string him up and uh he was set to be hanged he was tried and convicted so he's on trial he's locked away to go get hung but the problem is that all the crimes that english jim were committing kept going on and so they're like wait a minute and the guy who they caught swore up and down that it wasn't him well eventually they caught the guy was swear they, they eventually caught the guy who was actually english jim and the guy that they had was a man named thomas berdu who happened to have the exact same scar and fingertip and bore enough resemblance to English Jim back in an age when everybody didn't have a camera phone that (laughs) this guy was literally about to get hanged if it wasn't for the fact that they caught English Jim.
0: Innocent until proven guilty or you look just like the sketch. Sorry. Dude, can you
1: imagine though having the scar and like you're, (laughs) you happen to be missing a piece of one of your fingertips and they're like, well, you know there you go that's enough we're gonna we're gonna you definitely committed these crimes you're i wonder
0: done. if it was like um you know sometimes people show you like a celebrity picture They're like oh i think you look just like this person yeah and then you're like i don't think i look anything like that person and some people say you do and some people say you don't i wonder if that guy's like thought that guy actually looked like him or not
1: well man all i know is that that that's not the kind of identity we're talking about but man different form of identity what an yes. amazing story i feel like you said that on purpose do people compare you to a celebrity that you get do you get one regularly
0: yeah i've got like people have said i look like henry cavill and i'm like i don't look anything like him
1: huh okay well that's not a bad one you no know. it's not like i'm like
0: mad about it i'm just like i don't see it
1: so i'm gonna give you more ammunition for you to fire at me when we're off air and just in general in life the only real doppelganger i had was when i was younger and in high school and i had two-tone hair was people who used to say i look like lance baz from nsync that and, is yeah That makes sense with like the Simon Cowell deal. Okay, that's, but (laughs) that has nothing to do with it. But the thing that's funny about that is Lance Bass was like the worst one in the group. So that was like terrible, you know, like it was not a compliment. And there's some other
0: things about Lance Bass that are probably worse than being the worst musician, but whatever. Anyways, uh, if you're listening,
1: Lance Bass, sorry. You know, that was not not meant to sound terrible. All right, well, we are talking about identity today. Uh, we, there's, but not Lance Bass's identity, but not Lance Bass's identity. So why does identity matter? I think first and foremost, so many times, uh, you know, when we talk about things, we talk about a lot of different topics and I feel like when I, just in my own life, my own experiences, men that I'm close with, people that we come in contact with, I think identity issues are at the core of so much of what people stumble over. For sure, um, you, know, you can talk about, hey, I want to have better habits. I want to have better disciplines and all these things. But if you, if your identity is messed up and you don't truly believe that you're valuable enough or you don't believe that you can be fit or you are an athlete or whatever, whatever mm-hmm. identity statement mm-hmm. is missing from there, you can take all the habits and things and great tips that you have out there and you're going to continue to just not assassinate, what's, what's uh, sabotage. You're going to continue to sabotage yourself because you don't have the correct identity. So I wanted to, us to dive into that um, and we've spent a great amount of time talking about this before and I think yeah, that's if, a if, you're,
0: if your identity, even if you start to get what it is that you don't want, if you haven't formed your identity to that, you will, you will sabotage yourself and give it up.
1: Yeah. And over time, I mean, I think when you look at your life in the grand scheme of things, you're right. Everybody has an identity, right? And they have things that they believe about themselves. Your actions... Yeah, well let's start with like what actually is an identity.
0: I because most is. people think of an identity as kind of like what you were talking about with uh, English Jim. You know, most people I think yeah. of like I think of like a movie scene and they're like, Who is this guy? Yeah. Right. And all they have is a picture of him. And yeah. then they're like, okay, we got his name, we got his birth date, like but your identity is not a government assigned, you know,
1: biography. Yeah, no, very true. And yeah, because people when people hear identity, they think of identity theft and identity theft. I think identity theft is more than doubled in the last decade. Uh, I I did a little quick research. The FTC had 500,000 reported cases in 2010 and 1.3 million in 2020. So yeah, definitely on the rise. Um, But that's not what this is about. So where does it come from? This would be a great time for like a commercial for like Credit Lockers. Yeah, it really would. Yeah, we could throw in some strategic uh, stats so that people can we can insert sponsorship uh, opportunities. But we're not those. We're people. not going to do that. No, we're not, and we don't have any sponsors, so we just uh, we sponsor ourselves. you know how's that? It's beautiful. Anyways, um, so where does it come from? Great question. I think when you're so I have young kids, you have young kids, and right now, like our young kids are finding out everything about themselves from external sources they will imitate what they see they will they will be it'll be how they relate to other people Uh, grace is
0: currently in her last leap which is like your brain developmental leaps oh right yeah so but then but she's one and a half you know so after that, then you start to form your personality, mm. right? And I feel like you can already see a lot of Grace's personality, but you got some that are older than
1: mine. Oh, yeah. And they and psychologists will say that by the time you're seven, like your subconscious is pretty much formed as far as your personality and yeah. everything like that. So
0: at seven, at seven years old, your personality is mostly developed.
1: Yeah, like as far as the subconscious part of your right, brain. Right. But between 12 and 18, so Eric Erickson, we're not psychologists and we're not going to go deep on this but it's worth noting what the professionals out there say so eric erickson has a theory of psychosocial uh development and he says that between 12 and 18 years old is whenever you really develop uh your identity of as far as who you are and if you think about when you're 12 to 18 years old i think the thing that describes most 12 to 18 year olds is insecure you're looking around self-conscious for sure
0: like what you don't a a nine-year-old Doesn't really care a whole lot about how they look in the mirror, other than you know they want to look pretty. You know, I think girls because like mom, you know, tries to help them like dress nice and stuff. But I think around that age of twelve, I mean, most people listening to this are going to be older than twelve, and I think around that age of twelve, for a lot of people, I would say me included, is where you start to look in the mirror, yes, and say like, what does it mean to be me? Yeah, right. And you're asking yourself. Like they're, you're not asking that particular question, but you're saying, how do I feel about myself? How do other people see me? What do they see in me? What does it mean to be me? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a lot of what an identity is. It's not just who, what does a person's face look like? What is, what is their name?
1: but what does it mean to be that person? What yeah. is that person about? Yeah. And they're trying to place themselves in the world, like exactly. in the grand context of things. And I, I think it's interesting. I mean, we, what we're saying is not revolutionary. I mean, everybody knows that when you grow up, you're insecure and you have all the all the different things that happen and you're looking for your friends for acceptance. What I, I constantly refer to and, and what I don't think we always take conscious stock of is most of your life happens by default from the age of, when you're born up to an indefinite period of time, some people never get off of default. And what we mean by default is it just sort of happens. You take it as it comes and you, you real, you feel like most of who you are and what you do is out of your control. And it just kind of, you got to deal with it, right? That's the default setting. Well, if you're getting your identity developed like that, what we're saying on this podcast as a whole, and especially on this one today is you can stop and take hold of your identity and who you are and what you will be known for and, and really choose and pick what you believe about yourself and grow. And so that's that's why I wanted to dive into this so much. There is a point in time for so many areas in your life where you have to stop what you stop listening to the child that is in your head that developed all the different things that you believe and about yourself and about others and about the world and stop and look at it and go, no, what do I want to believe? Like well, be intentional.
0: And it's around that same time, right, that a child starts to question their parents. Yes, right big time. And so I would say in that same sort of questioning like what you have to ask yourself is where do I draw the line between the Mm. identity that's been assigned to me and the identity that I'm going to create for myself, Mm -hmm. right? Because there is a part, there are things about us that we can't control and there are things that we can. I was telling Nick, you know, we were kind of talking through some of our own stories before around identity. And this is a big topic. And I was telling Nick before, as we were talking about it and I was thinking about when, Um, When I started to have some of these conversations with myself and how, you know, people in my life had said like, you're this, even at a young age. And I had believed and I'd even told them that I'm going to become something else. But it's I think it's so interesting that around that same time, you know, I'm I'm starting to look in the mirror. You're starting to develop, you know, confidence and insecurity and, and working through all those things. It's also at the same time that I watched a movie that had a big impact on my life. And I was telling Nick, this, there's a scene in, you know, you know where we're going, right? The Matrix. There's a scene in The Matrix um, where Morpheus, right? This is that first scene where they sit down together. And Morpheus asks Neo if he believes in fate, mm. right? And I remember having this conversation with some of my friends at that age when we had all first watched it, right? But Morpheus asks Neo, do you believe in fate? And Neo says No. Because I don't like the idea that I'm not in control of my life mm. right and and you can there's a lot of conversation we can have around that, but where that's very similar to identity is that what neo's talking about is I don't like the idea of a life as in a birth, all the events in between and a death that have just been assigned to me, yeah, right, what neo's really saying is not just that, no, I don't like the idea that I'm not in control of my life. What he's saying is, I want to control my life, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to accept a reality where I can't control my life. Right. And the truth is that we can't, there's parts of our life we can't control and there's parts of our life that we can. And identity is very much like that. You, There is, you know, so we're talking about fate and identity in parallel here. There is a part of who you are, some of the things about the way you look and some of you can control, some of them you can't, right? And all of the parts, of your identity there's a part that has been assigned to you and then the rest of it is what are you going to do with it right and so your life story is not told by what your name and your face looks like by your birthday on a driver's license in the city and county that you were born in what you get to believe about yourself the decisions that you get to make are so much more a part of your identity and those are the things that you get to control so just wanted to um as, as we start to step into this, I just wanted to share what, you know, that kind of moment for me that shaped me that I was sharing with Nick. I remember watching that movie Mm -hmm. and I, I so identified with that. So I was like, I, that's how I feel because I, at that same time in my life, I was telling some people who said, you know, you're, you're this way, or you're going to look that way, or you're going to become that. And I, I remember, you know, this is, eighth grade, ninth grade year, I'm telling people, no, I'm, I am going to be a great athlete. Like mm-hmm. I was slow. Then I'm going to become very fast. All these things that i believed about myself, right. That I didn't have anything on the external that told me that that's who I was, but it was what I believed about myself that became true. Mm-hmm. Man. So you basically, I didn't like the idea that I couldn't, I couldn't ch- change myself. Yeah, And it's not that like I can, you know, morph in, you know, like, uh, what are those, What are those, uh, I I wouldn't say strange, what are those interesting people who like say like, I identify as a wolf. I'm thinking about that video and I can't remember the name of it. I have no idea. But like, (laughs) sorry, my brain just took like a hard left turn there. Not that I, you know, want to become something strange like that, but I do want to be able to influence who I am. And that's really the big part of identity that we want to get into today, that there is a dividing line between who you are. Uh, that that you can't change and who you are that you can change, that you can influence what your identity is.
1: and Yeah, and and that leads me to a great quote by Pastor Keith Kraft. And that quote is, a man will never rise above the way he sees himself. yeah I'm going to say that again while the gong finishes. A man will never (laughs) rise above the way he sees himself. And I think what you described, and I feel like you probably went through it uh, a lot earlier on than I did, is we talked about where you're getting all your identity from and it's very external. And you just basically talked about how you moved it to an internal place. And I think for a lot of people, they might be somewhere in the middle or maybe they're still all external or maybe some people really have grasped internal and we want to try and give you some tools to, to help you further this process and you know, hopefully raise your awareness to how this goes and, and the value of it. But I think that internal versus external audience is really interesting. A place where we see this a lot is in sports, mm-hmm. right? Like you'll see the guy Hold on. How did we jump to
0: internal, external audience? I'm making sure that I'm, I'm, I'm like listening and trying to think about where we're going at the same time.
1: Oof, that's next level. I I would hope that you would be doing that all the time. But anyways, yeah, I'm just for
0: for me and for the listener. I didn't catch how we got there.
1: Well, because you said you were talking about how in high school you believed you're like, no, I will be fast. I will be, I will be strong. I will be athletic. Right. Even though you weren't at that time and you were saying there are some things that are controllable as far as the way you appear, Mm -hmm. some things that are uncontrollable. And you talked about how, whenever you were in high school, people were like, you're not fast. You're not this and you said no I am I know these things to be true and you worked right. and you made it happen I mean I think about your whole seal journey and buds I think about how many people told you like you know you got no chance uncle bach I think about your roommate for sure that told you you got no chance uncle bach every single day and you were like no you're wrong I know I'm supposed to be here and you did it over and over and over again you had already moved so much to an internal but what if you'd been external you would have been like, well, this guy knows I'm right. I should just quit now. Yeah.
0: So we're talking. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. So moving to internal, external. Yeah. Talking about the things that we can change. Yes. The things that we can't. Uh, the things that are inside us, like that. So that the other things that we're talking about the the things that influence identity. Right? Yes. So there's things that we can control, and there's things that we can't control. Of the things that we can control. There's things that happen outside of us, and there's things that happen on the inside of us, mm-hmm. internal, external. Yes. And, that, and so you're talking about internal, external audience. Yes. As I it am. relates to identity.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because because if you, I think about what you just shared in high school, and I feel like a lot of people are like this. They're like, oh, you're you're not the cool kid. You're not this. And, and you believe them. Like, you know, you don't consciously go yeah, like. That,
0: that quote for me was Henry Ford, right? Right.
1: Whether you think
0: you can or you think you can't. You're right. Yeah. And it's it's been a huge shaping thought on my life. And I remember reading that uh, very young and saying like, okay, like I loved that. I didn't know if it was true or not, but I was going to believe that it was true because I, again, like Neo said, I don't like the idea that I'm not in control of my life. Yeah.
1: But I, I love the stories of people who I don't know where it comes from, but I mean, we talked about resiliency, I think in our second ever podcast, and you've talked about how that's so important for your journey in right. life and just for what made you, you. But I I love when people and I don't necessarily know where you know it'll, I think it'll come from someplace different for each person. But I love when people are like no, and they they stick to that belief, man. And, and you know maybe it's not a hundred percent, but it's enough that they keep acting towards that. And eventually, you see that external kind of start to shift to match what was internal. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is powerful.
0: Yeah. So that's and and just to to touch on what that is, and then we'll go to internal external audience. That is, but um, beneath resiliency. Um, it's it's almost a form of tenacity, where like how long will you do something yeah. without seeing results? Because yeah. a lot of people like how many how many, I think this would be just as you're listening. Think, ask yourself this question, right? How long would you go? How long would you keep working out at the gym, like busting your butt at the gym and see zero results? Yeah, right. Th- th- that thought process as it relates to internal external. You have to, like when you take on a new belief. Like you can one hundred percent believe in it, but you're also going to try it out. Yeah, right. Uh, so as you try out that belief, you're going to when you start to see some of the results of it, then you're going to believe in it more. Then you're going to accept that it's really true. Um, so I was just making that connection there. Let's go to internal external audience
1: with with beliefs though. I, and I sorry I brought internal external in, and then you keep saying things that spark in my thoughts. But you rent beliefs to start with, don't you?
0: Right. Yeah, we were talking about this before, like when someone first gives you a belief, like you can wholly accept it. Um, but the, the example that I, that I made before when we were talking about this, it's kind of like when you train a dog, and I'm not a dog training expert, uh, but I was around some dog training experts in the military. And some of like the early things you're doing when you first train a dog, this is, isn't even a military dog, this is just dogs in general. Right. It's like if you teach your, you're your teaching your dog to sit, like your little puppy to sit. Well, you're going to do that in the house in the same area. You're going to give him treats. You're going to repeat the same actions. You're going to ingrain like, okay, this is what we do. We come sit right here. I give you a command. You perform the command, the response. I give you a retreat. I, I give you a treat for that, the, the reward. Right. Then the next thing you're going to do is you're going to change the environment. Mm -hmm. Right. We're going to go outside. Now we're going to go to the park. Now we're going to bring other people around. Right. And so I think beliefs like you train yourself to accept some of these own beliefs in the sense that like, okay, I know this is how it's supposed to work. But does this work everywhere Mm -hmm. in the same way that children are assimilating their environment? Right. Like at, at an early age, all you know is what you know. And yeah. so you're going to test it out again. Yeah. And so to really own a belief, you've, you've had it for a while and you've tested it out and you've tried it in different places.
1: Yeah. It, it is like it's on layaway though. I mean, I, I think that was the analogy that you gave along with the dog training exercise is that it's like you, you get this belief and you're like, you we, you we all know those payments.
0: people that have taken on some like huge beliefs. And these guys make big statements. And as fast as they took on those beliefs, they abandoned them.
1: Yeah. Exactly, because they never they never paid the price to actually own it. Yeah, and that price is time, it's repetition, it's action, right? And it, it's it's consistency. I think that those are the things that really cement those beliefs in you. And
0: this is a good conversation, but let's come back to internal external yeah. audience.
1: I just wanted to share because I thought that that no, that's very I, good. I think it is important when we're talking about change. You know, because we are going to talk about how to change beliefs. So yeah, the internal external audience, and you touched on it once again with your high school experience, people telling you what you weren't, and the same thing in buds, and sure. you said no, this is who I am, and you changed it.
0: Yep. Let me just share my uh internal external audience story there for me. This was um this was a a Buds training example for me of internal versus external audience where I learned about and, and um become aware of this concept where so when I was training, you know, obviously in, in SEAL training, you've got a big external audience. You've got these instructors mm. that you want to impress, right? Not just impress, but prove yourself to because they're the gatekeepers. They're the ones who are going to decide if you'll be accepted in this community or not. Uh you've also got your peers, the people that you want to be you don't want to be, you know, bottom ranked among your peers. And that also influences how the instructors see you uh, as the student reviews and all of that stuff, right? So you have a big external audience, the student and the instructors. But for me, there's also the internal audience. And for me, my internal audience was my father. I have a great relationship. Mm -hmm. Uh, with my father. And I told him uh, this story later, how often in some of like the toughest moments on some of my runs and log PTs and things like that, where I would see my father like standing out there on the berm watching me mm. because that was a big part of who I was playing for. Um, if uh-huh. you talk, you want to talk about the really the lesson of internal and external audience is that the greatest players of all time, the greatest athletes, or whatever your sport is, even if it's not an athletic sport, whatever game you play, the greatest players of all time play for an internal audience. Mm. Larry Bird was known for showing up to the stadium uh, where they practiced Before everyone else showed up and staying after they left to do X number of shots, you know that he had to make in a row. But Larry had talked about how he would envision everyone being in the stands, Mm. right, while he's playing. No one's actually there. There's there's zero external audience. But for Larry, they were all there on the inside, right? And he played for a huge internal audience. Tiger Woods' deep relationship with his father. His father was there for all of his golf, taught him you know, learn golf from his father at, at two years old, watch his HBO special, it's incredible. It is. And then even after his father passed away, and we knew that Tiger was still playing for his father, right? Yeah. That that was his relationship with golf. It was a triad between him and his father in the game. Right. So that's what an internal audience looks like. Everyone's familiar with an external audience. Oh, when people are watching, like, yeah. hey dad, come watch me. Like watch me shoot these free throws. Well come to my game, right? And you'll play different or most people will, they'll play different when the people are watching but the greatest players play for an internal audience. So where this relates to identity is understanding the internal factors versus external factors and that we have the ability to shape ourselves from the inside out, right? No one's actually there, right? No one's physically there to watch you, but to you, it's like they are, Mm. right? You're playing for them. That's, you know, who's there for you. Right, And so that under, understanding that internal audience is kind of a, a window into how you can also shape the internal portion of your identity, mm. right? The things that you see and the things that you believe, regardless of what's happening on the outside. Mm. Right? Where, where in BUDS, everyone would be so concerned with the instructors and the students. Um, and, and there's a lot of motivations that you have to make it through something very difficult like that. And I've talked about this before where you can have some incredibly noble intentions and I had many, um, but in some of my toughest moments where it's, it seems so easy to quit. I remember just telling myself, I can't make that phone call. Yeah. I can't call my dad and tell him I quit, man. Right. Yeah. And so again, that's just an example of how powerful the internal audience is. Those things that can drive you whenever, when you quit caring, yeah. right. I think of when, when guys are at the brink of death, right. And, and all these, when you're in so much pain that nothing else matters, but there can be things on the inside of you that are more powerful, hmm. right. In the same way it relates to your identity, right. Where you can have things on the inside of you that are far more powerful than what is being said and that you can see on the outside,
1: man. Yeah. There's so much there. I, I, I... I'm so curious, you know, you, you've said many times when you went to buds like, and you, you know, I knew that your dad was, I know your relationship with your dad is so central and important to you. And I, I've heard you talk about how you would picture him out there on the berm, like encouraging you whenever you're at some of your weakest moments. Do you think uh, that that's part of what got you to that place when you were going to buds? Cause people would ask you like, you'd be like, I know I'm supposed to be here. And people would be like, well, how do you know? Do you think that there was like a big part of that, that, that was just something that your dad put in you from a,
0: you know, actually, no, like as far as to be there. Yeah. Um, no, I feel like for me that the internal audience of my father was really like, I didn't want to let him down and who I was supposed to become. And I felt like obviously my father had was, had so shaped me Mm -hmm. into who I am and who I was at that point. Um, but I, I, me becoming or me having the desire to be a Navy SEAL and wanting to become a Navy SEAL didn't have really anything to do with my father. And my father would tell you, like, he wasn't, like, overly discouraging, but he was not encouraging <laughs> yeah. about me joining the military. And you may have heard the story. I'll, I'll quickly uh, cover it, how, you know, I'd actually signed up for the Navy without my parents even knowing, right? And then not only signed up for the Navy, but took a contract to join SEAL training. And I, went, I shifted very sharply from telling no one to telling everyone. And that was intentional to somewhat back myself into a corner yeah. of, you know, I have to do what I say. Right. Um, But my father, you know, he, he would say this and I'm sure we'll have him on here at some point but he was at like he was worried for me like not that he didn't think i was tough not that he didn't think i was capable i mean he knew me very well but he also didn't know how tough seal training really is oh yeah and my father had never been around any navy seals and his concern is like man what i don't want for my son who i think is capable who i think is you know can do a lot in life what i don't want is for the very first thing he tries in life for him to not be successful at Right. Like it's the hardest thing you can. It's one of the hardest military yeah. trainings in the world. Right. Like it's not unreasonable for a, a man to have a, a shadow of doubt of can his son do this. Well, not yeah. that He didn't even think I could do it. There's just a lot of things that you can't control as well. Huh. Right. So me being there wasn't because of him. Uh, but me completing the program was certainly influenced by him. It's not the reason that I joined, but I've talked about this before, and I talk to young men who want to go through the training. You you need to be really clear on what all your reasons are. Yeah. And I and I tell this, and I'm I'm honest with myself and honest with others about how I backed myself into a corner there with with my father, but also with all these people in my life that you know everyone that was important to me. I told them this is what I'm going to do, mm. right? And in some of my toughest moments, I thought about. My desire to serve. I thought about my desire to serve this country, serve the people uh, that I love. All of my noble reasons. I thought about all those things. But in some of my toughest moments, uh, what helped me kept going was remembering: like I have to do what I say. And I, I would like the pain of quitting, the pain of going back to these people and telling them that I didn't do what I say is more painful than this training right now. Mm. Yeah,
1: that, that's. I think. Well, that's such a great example of internal versus external audience because it's funny that you had your dad well the guys and- who quit are very external audience focused yeah and you get to you, you get
0: to a point where the pain on the outside is worse than the pain of what those people think of you yeah, and that 's when they quit mm. right the 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 external truly the external audience will betray
1: you yeah man there's so much we could just press press end right there that, <laughs> that's man that, that's uh well, I, I feel like we'd be doing a disservice if we didn't talk about how to change some of your beliefs. I mean, we can't all be. I, don't, I showed you. Yeah. Garrett.
0: So, well, let's make. Sure, so, I think the questions we want to answer, right? Or where does identity come from? Yeah. Right, and and we've touched on some of that, but let's let's. um Let's reiterate it or let's summarize. Yeah. Where, does, I, where does identity come from?
1: Yeah, I think we talked about where, where your identity comes from, as we said, between the ages of when you're born up till seven, you're forming your subconscious. Right. And that's largely down to genetics and your environment. There's a lot of neuropsychology that's done on that as to how you process information. Yeah, that's
0: all, yeah your personality and your brain and all that still yeah, forming. It's and still forming. Frontal lobe for for men is until 25 and i think women to like 21 or 22 yeah um so brain still forming, but identity starting around 12 to 18, 12 to 18
1: years old is, is we referenced eric erickson's uh, eco or sorry uh yeah eco social theory that he has uh, on cycle on, psycho- on, on development i, th- I think that's, development. i think that's very true yeah and then, then we talked also about, coincides with puberty exactly and then we talked about how at some point you've got to take hold of really deciding who you want to be Right, and just to kind of recap where we got to. And so
0: you have you have some uh, children that are a little bit older, where yeah. you have the opportunity to speak into them, mm-hmm. and right now you're helping shape their identity for sure. Yeah, right? because of the things that you tell them about life, because mm-hmm. of the things that you tell them about themselves. Yeah, right. Big. Time. So what are what are the things that's, that's I want to I want to summarize what forms your identity?
1: Yeah, I mean. I, so okay yeah so I think you are definitely very you know it's nature versus nurture right there's a lot of things I mean you can have people from the same exact place that turn out very different because of the meaning that they assign to what happens to them but there's a lot of things that you can't control which are what happens you know your uncontrollables as far as what actually does happen to you so I think you you get your identity largely from outside yourself. It's in relation to your family, it's in relation to the people that you're around. It's largely based on things that you can do in relation to others. We all know that person who was the big fish in the small pond and was awesome at something until they went to a place where everybody else was awesome too. And they just faded away, right? So you're, you're constantly finding your identity from outside. And at some point, you know, we're saying after 18 years old onwards, and I think that that's the vast majority of our audience, you switch to an internal and that's what we want to touch on. And that's what we want to go into. Um, so I was showing Garrett some videos beforehand of Deep Fake Tom Cruise. And I don't know if that's uh, something that you've seen, but if it's if it's not, um, then I would I I want you to uh, I want you to go ahead and Google that or go on TikTok and look up Deep Fake Tom because we 'cause we're gonna get into how you can change your beliefs.
0: What what is what is this deep fake <laughs> nonsense? Deep fake Tom Nick Cruise Nick has to keep me Nick and my wife keep me up okay. to date on TikTok. Okay. I About do once not, a week, Lindsay no. gives me the the TikTok
1: highlights. Okay, no disrespect to Lindsay, but I don't have a TikTok account. I have <laughs> I I have like one for one of my clients and I it was the quickest and easiest way to show show you deep fake Tom Cruise. Deep fake Tom Cruise is this guy who looked a lot like him and then used this technology, this deep fake technology that's like it's like a Snapchat filter that he has on for all his videos, and he looks exactly like Tom Cruise. And because his mannerisms and everything he does and his hair are like spot on it's basically Tom Cruise going around doing something so he's made a series of hilarious videos and it was that easy for him to change his identity from like you know I want to be an actor to actually I'm Tom Cruise and that's how he makes his living now so deep fake Tom Cruise is definitely definitely a fun way to waste 10 minutes cool
0: story Exactly. what does that have to do with anything
1: well I was just saying it's not that easy to change your to change your identity and we when we were talking about this before I mean when we're talking about taking hold of your identity the very first question that you have to ask is what do you want yeah. Right.
0: Where does your identity come from? It starts with, I think about for me as a young age, at a young age, when I was telling those people, like they're saying, no, you're, you're this and you're this. Well, I was telling them what I wanted to be. Yeah. Right. And that's really like, if you ask yourself, like, where does your identity come from? It starts with what do you like? Really? What do you want? And that's kind of like the vision question for life. It's a vision question for a business, for a person. That's what's going to form your identity. The second thing the second thing that shapes your identity, once you can answer the question, and this is something to talk about with yourself and with your children at a young age, is what do you want? But then also, do you believe that you can become what you want, mm-hmm. right? And that comes back to what I call the infinite potential yes, unlock for big me, time. right? Yeah. Is the two things, purpose, God has a plan for your life, and potential. You can have anything you want in life as, you're, as long as you're willing to pay the price for it. Because I believed that, I'd looked at what I wanted and said I can become it for some people they think about what they want in life and their identity is shaped completely around i know i can't have that yes
1: 100% right? yeah and and that's what we that's why I, we touched on this in the beginning about how important identity is i mean your beliefs will determine so much of what you, I mean, if you don't believe something, why would you act in we it, spend. In a way?
0: You and I get to spend time around a lot of guys and, and you and I both know plenty of guys that, you know, live their life into their 30s with an identity where they thought they couldn't be what they wanted. Yes. Right, they could, it was impossible for them to become or to attain what it was that they wanted.
1: Yeah. I mean, all the time, I think you asked, uh, whenever we had Steve Weatherford on, you asked him an interesting question at what point he started to believe that it was possible. And I mean, he said that he had imposter syndrome his whole NFL career, which I I was absolutely fascinated Mm -hmm. by that. He would always be like vomiting right before the games. I mean, if you go back and listen to that podcast, he tells that story. I find that amazing. This is a guy who's literally living and being at the highest level and he still is lacking that belief that, hey, you know, I really am this guy. And it's, I, I just think that's amazing. So, I mean, it's funny when you say, what do you want? Because, uh, I remember whenever I first started realizing that I had some, uh, belief issues and some identity issues in myself and it was, I've been a con- I've been a consultant for five years now. And I think
0: you went through a phase and I'm not trying to get ahead of you, but I just want to highlight this as you go into it. I think you also went through a phase in your identity where you didn't know what you want.
1: Yeah. And so your
0: identity is going to be 100% what's assigned to you.
1: Yes. And that's when you're living by default of the values that you're around. You hear so many people, uh, it's like, Hey, why did you, why did you get into that? well, all the people I was around were doing it and it seemed like, you know, it was kind of cool. And then next thing you know, 10 years have gone by and you, you just partied your whole life and you got nothing to show for it. That's so many people. Some experience. of my
0: identity as a child was my parents telling me, Hey, this is what uncle box do and don't do. Right. Right. So I, I knew the answers to those questions cause they'd been given to me.
1: Yeah. That's a huge part of core values. with the, kids. the
0: choice is always in there, right? You can tell your children that Even you, I know twins, parents holding the same thing. They made different choices. Right. Yeah. And now have different identities.
1: Yeah. No, I, I, it, it is, it is absolutely fascinating, man. There's so much you could, you could go into on that, but I, I wanted to go back to what I was saying with the consultant story. So, I mean, you talked about it. What's the first question? What do you want? Well, mm-hmm. you know, I remember when I first launched out as a consultant on my own. So I, you know, I've, I've gone out from the, the safety of being an employee and I'm like, okay, I'm going to just have contracts now. And you know, people can cut me whenever they want and I have to go out and find my business, but I can make more blah, blah, blah. The thing that I struggled with so much was, you know, it's one thing when you go in and you hope to get a pay raise and you talk to your boss and you're like, hey, you know, I I think I deserve this because inflation went up 3%. And, you know, you you quote all these external things whenever you go to your boss to get a raise. And this Mm -hmm. is what's going in the market. Well, when you're a consultant, what are you worth? Whatever somebody's willing to pay you, and so if you don't believe you're valuable, there's no way somebody else is going to believe you're valuable. Right. So I suddenly had this circumstance that just highlighted all my true beliefs about myself, and I realized that like I really struggled to sell myself and say, "Hey, I'm worth X amount per hour." So when people were like, you know, you would meet some cheapskate who's trying to bargain you down, I would was terrible. I'd be like, oh, "Okay, okay," you know, I I would end up doing work I hated because I felt like I was always being undervalued. So I started with affirmations, you know, of really like really truly being like, Hey, you're excellent. You're valuable. And you know, there's a few expletives uh, as far as like, just get myself pumped up. But I would legitimately like look myself in the mirror and be like, dude, you got to get this in your head. And that was sort of the beginning of my journey of, of, of I knew something was off. I didn't know what it was. It wasn't until I, you know, really started understanding. I mean, when we were talking about this before you were saying, well, why did you do that? And I was like, uh, you know, we went through like five levels of why, and I eventually got. I to kept it.
0: asking it. Okay, because of this, why, why, why? Yeah, and we and eventually, finally got to what? Yeah,
1: we got down to the what. I wanted something that I didn't have, and what yeah. what that was is I wanted to be able to be confident and know that I was valuable, so I could go in there and get what I knew I was worth. Yeah. And so it's a weird place of like I felt like I was worth more, but I also didn't believe it. But I had to take control of my of my own thoughts and beliefs about myself and reinforce them and for anybody else that's out there that's in that position where you're you feel like you're missing out on a belief i really want to encourage you there there's a Garrett and i do tony robbins uh, morning priming and as part of that morning priming we do gratitudes and when you do your gratitudes your mind is an amazing place to be. And you can go back in your mind and relive things over and over again. And when you relive those things, you can literally, if you picture what you saw then, if you hear what you heard back then and you feel what you felt back then, you can basically regenerate those emotions all over again. And that's what's so powerful about that. This is an NLP technique. State change. Yeah, it's a state change and that gratitude brings. I would challenge you that you can do the same thing with your beliefs. If there's beliefs or there's things that you... It's revisiting the sober mind of of where you grounded a belief. Exactly. Because exactly. So you say things so much more concise and better thanks g you want? i'm just see? helping you out i appreciate and that i'm man. shortening the podcast for okay. everyone wow <laughs> that was uh okay i'm gonna I, I need to go find the belief that uh, <laughs> accepts the tears i'm about to cry thanks g uh, so
0: if you're if you're thinking like man that was rude um it is sometimes <laughs> rude but this is nick and i's relationship it is and so many of you have said that you enjoy it so thank you for enjoying our relationship yeah. And allowing us to be who
1: we are. Yeah. And truthfully, I think it's actually very amusing that you did that, but that was very concise and well said. But, but to finish the thought, you can go back to the sober mind, like what Garrett said to the place where you have a grounded belief, because if you talk about your identity, if I said to you, are you a good person or a bad person? Would you be able to give me, you know, proof for both? I think you would. Well, which one's true? whichever one you choose to believe, and you could go back and revisit the things that make you good, make you a good person, just as much as you could sit there and tell yourself a story about why you're a bad person, and we all know that person, that all they talk about is what they did in the past, when you ask them, like, hey, how's it going, well, you know, I just, 10 years ago, I did this thing, and I just, you know, and all they can talk about, all they can focus on is the past, and their past eventually dictates their entire present, which then becomes their future, and their whole story of their life is dictated by this one event, because they never, Focused on what they needed to, on what they needed to, so that they could stir up the, a new identity and get past mm-hmm. what was holding them back. And so that's what I was talking about with that NLP technique. Go back and think about some of the things that are grounded in the belief that you want to have. If you if you want to be a successful person, if you want to say, "Hey, I'm a winner. I'm a guy that always wins." When I come in, that team wins. Go back in your life and revisit your victories. See what you saw, hear what you heard, feel what you felt, and revisit those. Have your win circle. I have a list on my phone of things that I of wins in my life. Some that are so small. All that people wouldn't care about some that are massive that I think everybody would respect and I will look at these times from time to time to kind of stir up the belief in me I mean the Bible says you got to stir up your faith mm-hmm. I have a list of things of miracles God's done in my life Absolutely. as well that sometimes you can't when I need
0: have a to, short memory about those things no you
1: need to know those things because God does miracles in your life and you need to remind yourself of those things to stir up your faith
0: so the state change that you're talking about there's, right there's just to summarize and we're going to move on to like the last part here there's two things that form your identity right it's it's what do you want? And then really, do you believe that you can have what you want or yeah. are you that you're yeah. capable of getting there? Yes. And the state change that you're talking about really mm-hmm. impacts the second part. There. Correct. Really, the state that you're in is going to have a lot of impact on the choices that you make and the actions that you take that day. Right. So there can be times where you know what you want, but you're not feeling. Yes. Like, you're not feeling like you can get there, like you're capable of it. You need a change of state. But let and then. I want to uh, finish on the question of what do you want? This is a question that shapes your life at 12. And this is a question that shapes your life at 75. Yes. If you want to like shatter the ice and go to the bottom of the lake with somebody uh, very quickly, this is a first date question. This is a get to know somebody question. This is a ask your best friend of 20 years question. What is it that you want out of life? Yeah. Right. And that'll tell you a lot about a person. And so if you'll ask yourself that question, what is it that I want out of life, you'll look at some of the things that are influencing your identity. And, and last thought on that question of what do you want that shapes children, right? What are some of the things that have shaped so many people's lives that are in the fitness industry? Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. And wrestlers. Yeah. Right? Who, ra- macho man, Randy Savage, right? How many people became, uh, got into weightlifting? right because of something very simple like i saw arnold and i thought he was incredible yeah, Orson, right and so those things that you're exposed to yes. can shape what you want yeah. right because okay beneath what do you want why do you want what you want yeah. it's what you've seen it's what you've been exposed to mm, that, 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 that good. right so whether you're 12 or you know you're been on this earth for a long time you can influence that as well right? What are the things that you're exposing yourself to, or what are the things that you're allowing your children to be exposed to that are going to shape what they want?
1: Mm. Yeah, no, that's good for, that's good for parents and also for, for people that are trying to decide what they want. You know, so one of the things G, that you do that I make fun of you about, but I actually have adopted, um, and I don't like telling you that because yes, if you could see this (laughs) smug smile on his face right now, you would know how happy he is that I've adopted it. I will still make fun of you about it. I knew you, you wouldn't be bringing it up if you didn't believe in it. So okay anyways so garrett will talk about himself in the third person which i think is hilarious but you explain why that is and it's because ideal garrett is talking to actual garrett and saying like hey you know what are you doing like you're not acting you're not acting the way you need to you've got
0: to like you've got to disassociate to slap yourself in the face yes right or people talk about kicking their own tail right that's that's disassociating yeah. Right, part of me is going to step out my, sound myself and start kicking myself in the butt. Yeah. Right. And so like talking to yourself in the third person is a form of that.
1: It is. But I, th- what I think is interesting about that is your identity is the version of yourself that you most associate with. Right. And so by creating, I'll say that again, just in case you didn't catch that. Cause that's part of the, that's part of the definition we're giving identity is the version you most associate yourself with. That's why I was talking about how some people will tell that story about all the bad things they've done all the time and they're associating themselves with that version. Or you can decide what you want and really see where you want to go and what you want to be known for and, and see the ideal you and let that version of yourself be the one that you choose to associate with over and over again. So where I give credit to you is because you have, you know, you've talked about this. I mean, when we've talked offline, you've said that you have a goal to be able to wear the same size pants for your entire life. That's ideal Garrett that that that's going to speak to the fact that you're going to be disciplined and look after yourself from health and well-being. I mean there's so many things that when you when you look ahead and see who you are, you've identified different areas and that's what influences your decisions on a day-to-day basis and guess what? Like we talked about, when you have a clear picture and you know this ideal identity of who you are and you choose to associate with it over and over again with your beliefs and your actions, Eventually, everybody else starts seeing that same version of yourself, and it's the one that you already knew was there, but they just couldn't see yet. You know, I think about like Michelangelo whenever he was carving out a, a piece of of marble. He said that he would see what's inside of it. He saw David inside of it, and he thought like David, so he didn't have to carve David. All he had to do was just remove everything that wasn't David.
0: I love that story.
1: I love that story too, and that is truthfully what you're doing when you're creating your identity. Uh, a, a great example of knowing what you want. It is.
0: Right? He knew what he wanted it to look like. Yes. But, but like we and, see that, this that, in and that's vision yeah because right? in the story right he sits there and it's not it's not a story i believe it's the truth it is the truth yeah um that he looked at it for like a year mm. right he meditated that hard on what he wanted mm. right and then when he had an and then when he had a perfectly clear picture he started chiseling
1: yeah i love that man so it does it really does start with a, a vision of who you want to be uh oh, man i love that I, I think where you see this and if you're not quite getting what we're saying, think about the person who goes through a transformation physically in their body. Before they became the person that they were fit, they had to believe that it was possible, right? Like what you talked about. You have to believe that it's possible and you have to know what you want. And I think if somebody that looks at it and goes, I'm not in the shape that I want to be, but I'm going to get there and I do believe it's possible, over time, other people start to see that that belief manifest and so i think that's a great example if you can do it physically you can do it in so many other ways
0: i want to give one of like there's a lot of uh added value from understanding the the two-part the the ideal and the real yes there's a lot of added value and i think a lot of emotional health and intelligence that comes out of being able to talk to yourself for example um one of the one of the personality traits that people find most repulsive is arrogance yeah and one of the personality traits that people are so attracted to is confidence mm. and how peculiar that is. Yeah. That two things that can seem very similar mm. um, but in fact are so very different are, are both repulsive and beautiful in two different ways. right? And, and the way that I like to, and, and I'm someone who grew up Uh, being called both confident and arrogant at a young age. And I struggled with that, right? Because I didn't want to be arrogant. I really, truly didn't want to be that way. And I would ask myself, you know, is it me or is it them? What's the situation here? And something I've learned about the difference between confidence and arrogance, and I'm going to connect this back to um, your ability to separate from yourself, your ability to talk to yourself, the difference between the ideal and the real. The difference between confidence and arrogance is that confidence will inspire and encourage confidence in other people. And arrogance does the opposite. Right. And what's so unattractive about an arrogant person? Mm. When, when, if you talk about, if you think about an arrogant person, there's someone who can't see themselves clearly, Mm. right? They think they're better than they are. Really. That's, that's like the definition of arrogance, right? You think you're better than you are. That person does not understand the difference between the ideal and the real. Mm. They, all they see is the ideal, right? And so what is so unattractive about this person is that you're looking at someone and you say like, you can't even see who you really are. Yeah. Right. And that's what bothers you. Everyone's bothered by arrogant people, and that's Mm -hmm. what bothers you about them. But a confident person is both aware of and inspired by what's possible. Mm -hmm. They're aware of who they really are, and they're inspired by what they can become. Mm -hmm. And that's what inspires confidence in other people, where they see someone that says, like, look, I know who I am, but I know what I can become. And that's what's inspiring. Right, yeah. No one's inspired by a, a pretender, yeah. but everyone is inspired by the guy that's climbing up the mountain. Yes. And that's the difference between confidence and arrogance. And the separator in those two things is someone who's able to see themselves. Being able to see yourself comes from really some of that disassociate ability. I'm going to step outside myself, kick my own butt for a minute, and yeah. talk to, like, I understand that I'm sucking right now. I'm not doing what I want to be doing. I'm not being disciplined. And so I'm going to start talking to myself. Mm-hmm. I'm going to become very aware of the real, and I'm going to start pursuing the
1: ideal. Yes. I love that. I love that you talked about how confidence inspires people because what we're talking about right here, if you're a person that wants to inspire other people, man start leading yourself. Cuz <clears throat> when you start leading yourself and you start changing, then you start lining up with the ideal you that you've decided, you are going to inspire other people to do the exact same thing. And that is a wonderful thing. That is that is a wonderful thing. Uh, so gee i want to wrap i know we've been going at this i feel like we could talk about this for a long time it's such a deep issue like we talked about it's at the root of so many people's uh challenges we got we got to wrap it up
0: before i give you an opportunity to uh razz me back
1: okay well that's probably gonna happen afterwards usually (laughs) these these podcasts finish with me going in the bathroom and crying for a half hour and then i think of a witty comeback and then i come out and you know deliver it and then i drive home before garrett has anything (laughs) to
0: say if if nick's got his jokes he's got his armor (laughs) on
1: okay anyways so i'm cutting to the bone cut to the bone just you know let's I, i'm gonna need a lot of psycho, psychological help after this podcast that's why you're getting tougher nick is it i don't know maybe i just cry in private now anyways so cry until there's nothing left that's it yeah and this i cry in my ice bath it, it keeps it full <laughs> i've never had to refill my ice bath it just you know the tears help but uh no so your takeaways man as, as we're, we're wrapping up here Your identity, you can influence it and change it. Remember, we talked about that external to the internal. You can take hold of it. You can't, you got to believe that things can change. Question to help inspire you when you're talking about your identity. What do you want to be known for? Right when, when you look back in 30 years, what do you want to know, be known for? From there, you should be able to get a picture of the ideal you and start looking at some things that you need to affirm yourself on, some, some areas that you need to, uh, to address and start making your actions line up. I think the awareness of having an ideal you and what you want to become, when you come down to those moments of decision, you will start to re- stop for a second and be like, hey, wait a minute. Like Ideal me would do this like default me wants to just fly off the handle and get mad, but actually that's not who I am anymore. And the more you do that, it's like a muscle, right? G you you start doing it more and more and it becomes second nature. And the next thing you know, the ideal you is now the real you. And that's a beautiful thing.
0: I love that. And I'll just say, if you're someone who's struggling with your identity or you don't like your identity, ask yourself the question that I talked about, what do I want out of life? Mm. And then ask yourself, why do I want those things?
1: Yeah, that's good. All right. I'm gonna go cry and uh, we'll see you guys again soon. (laughs) Thank you very much for listening guys. Remember to share, like, subscribe. If you think that this would be something that someone would enjoy, please send it to them. We appreciate it all. If you want to get in touch, you can follow us on Instagram at the impossible life. You'll find us on there. You can also email at impossible life podcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions, if you want to get in touch and find out about Garrett's personal or business coaching, that's the way to do it. Thank you again for listening. Go out there, think better, and live the impossible. See you again soon. Long before ice baths were a thing, Garrett was doing them in the SEAL teams. Now we do them as part of our daily morning routine to make us better. We are very pleased to have partnered with Freedom Plunge. Freedom Plunge is on a mission to bring cold exposure to everyone. They believe that cold plungers should be affordable, easy to use, and represent the customer themselves. Cold plunges shouldn't cost a fortune, and these ones don't. Garrett and I both use our Freedom Cold Plunge every single day. It's customized. You can put whatever you want on them. For us, we have our Impossible Life logos. And here's the best part. Just for listening to this podcast, you can go to freedomplunge.com, use the discount code impossible, and save $500 off any Freedom Plunge. These things are half the price of the ones that you see on the internet, plus you're going to save an additional $500 with code impossible. Go to freedomplunge.com and get yourself one now. You will not regret it.